Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast, the podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Eric and Chris. Welcome to Arcade Repair Tips, Episode 64. I'm your host, Eric, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Hey, Chris, how are you today? Howdy, doing well. Great. Let's jump into what's been happening between the last time we did an episode. Well, the last time we did an episode was we were in at Dallas. Texas Pinball Festival. We did that with Tim and Jonathan. Who kind are those a, guys? <laughs> are those they? are the guys that are doing a live show as we're as recording. We speak. Yeah, who's doing the arcade repair tips here? <laughs> and we did a, kind of a recap or a, a we talked about the show, the uh, <laughs> Texas Pinball Festival. What what new games were there? Uh, did we do any questions there? We did, we did a couple of things, but nothing really yeah. in depth. Just mm-hmm. some spur of the moment questions. So it wasn't a true question and answer podcast. It was uh, just a uh, highlights of the show, which it was a great show, wasn't it? It was very good. I enjoyed myself a lot. All, all, mostly pinball. Very, you know, not not much in the as far as arcade games go. There were there I were some know. there. I, the last time I was there, it was it was it's been a good five years since I've been to Texas uh, pinball. Uh, show and they actually had a lot of video games there compared to what they used to have. Right, any any that stood out in your um, mind for for video games? Yes, it was all the specialty machines, the conversion games, or or the the specialty main cabinets, those vertical skinny things that they had. I oh, can't remember right. what yeah, those were right. called. I'm I'm trying to think of the name of the company that makes those. It's the company that's been on Shark Tank. Oh, they were on Shark Tank. Anyway, for, vertical skinny arcade cabs that looked very different. And I guess they used flat panels in them. But right. it was, it's very, very um, innovative looking for, for what it was. And, and if you don't have much cool room, game. Yeah. those things are great. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of cool new pinball machines. Pinball machines. A um, couple of interesting specimens that have have been uh, arisen from the dead. Yes. Magic. Magic. Blocks. Magic. Oh no. Okay. What is so it? that's a conglomeration of two different yes. magic, magic girl. Which oh, no, that one wasn't there. But no, wizard, the wizard blocks. Wizard blocks. Thank yeah. you. Yes. 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 Right. The, the, yeah. They. Some, somebody's been working very, very hard at trying to bring that to life from uh, what partial development exists. Right. And I think they got the original code. Some. I spoke mm-hmm. with the guy briefly who brought it, and he he even though it's been put on an entirely new system he had access to the original uh code somehow mm-hmm. somehow yeah. some way maybe spoke with the original developer but uh it's all going through that uh, the p-rock system but it's supposed to be true to its original yeah. uh form uh that was really cool um it's quite a few homebrew uh mm-hmm. games uh using the p-rock system uh what were some of the new games that were there? They had the uh, Houdini. I had Houdini. I uh, didn't get a chance to play it. Dialed in. Jersey Jack dialed in. Ah, uh-huh. uh, the Alien. Alien. That was an awesome game, I have to say. One of those stayed in, or came down to Houston. One of yeah. our pinball league guys oh, really? bought one of wow. those. Yeah. Uh, what else was what well, else? Well, I think so. P3, they, they brought out and displayed finally a uh, whole bunch of their games all at once right i think before they brought like one or two machines and that was it and they'd kind of have it sit there but they actually had a 
I want to say six or eight of their right. machines, I'm, all set up for the different games that they offer. One of them was even like a pitch and bat kind of game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there were just as many, if not more, individuals using their system, like the um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did you see that one? Oh, yes. Two of uh-huh. them, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was that was really neat to see it's people fun. using that system, that uh, platform, to make their, their own games. Yeah, what else was interesting? And then you had I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can every episode work uh Uncle Barry into the show. <laughs> we had Uncle Barry's uh row of home pinball machines. All the oh, yeah. did you did you see that? Yes. Like eight home versions of pinball machines. Yes. All the Bally's and the uh, well, one Brunswick. Of them, one of them was a, a machine that was also I guess it was one of those Heathkit. He, oh yes, kits. It was and when Heathkit made. I think it was Aspen. Aspen, right? Yeah. And it was I, the same game. I right? wanted that when I was a kid. I oh used to man, are, that are, coming off the truck? No, never to happen. We, uh, we are, we are similar nerds in that respect because when I was young, I remember the Heathkit catalog, the <laughs> pinball machine that was in it. And I think it was somewhere around four hundred dollars, which Ooh. was about three hundred ninety-seven dollars more than what I ever yes. had at that age. Yes, even with mowing yards, I don't think I came anywhere <laughs> close to that. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, I you know I, I think that was pretty much everything noteworthy. I'm sure there's a lot lot more noteworthy things there. There were celebrities there. There uh, were celebrities there. I mean, there was you and I, and then <laughs> and then there was you and I, and I think there was Jonathan and Tim. They were there, or whatever. But uh, what other celebrities? Oh uh, yeah, the who Elvira who. Yeah, I don't know. Elvira, so, Elvira, Elvira who? <laughs> hasn't been, she hasn't been in anything in years. <laughs> oh, there's a joke there somewhere that I'm not going to go to. It's family show, family show. <laughs> so we had Elvira. We had She looked good, too. She, she did. Wow, she was amazing. Uh, Sam Jones, who was Flash Gordon. Yes. And the uh, pinball fanatic... Ed Robertson from the Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, okay. And, the and I think I met him. I was like, oh, hey. Yeah, that's nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was fun. And uh, has there been anything uh, uh, arcade-related since then? How about this? Have you picked up any new games? Have you Pers- sold any games? Personally, Pick- I have not sold anything or really picked up any new games other than I'm just working on uh, some boards that I picked up, and that's about it. And you're working on, uh, I saw a Rally X over there. You were yeah, on. Rally X. <laughs> is that for you Rally or is that X. for somebody else? No, that's just for me. I'm oh, just okay. Exercising my brain. Yeah. And it's quite the challenge. But I'm also uh, working on like JAMA adapters so that I can um, power other games um, and, and, and bench test them. And so some games that require some negative voltages that a typical switch mode power supply doesn't provide um i found some um inverters on ebay that'll supply those negative voltages so i'll integrate those so you put that the on the little fingerboard the jama adapter Correct. board right really oh that's that's great and that way we can pull because i believe you get plus or minus five volts and plus 12 volts but there's no negative negative 12. 12 volts and so i've got the little negative 12 volt board we'll see how it works Interesting. So uh, instead of like putting a, a extra wires coming off of it with a little connector, you said, "Well, you know, let's make this easy." We yes. Can, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
great. Even though even though original my original plan, it's kind of silly. So there is going to be connector wires coming off of it because it's actually a JAMA adapter, quote unquote, for for an asteroids board. So I'm for going a vector game. For a vector <laughs> game. So obviously that's not going to connect to a standard monitor very well. But um, you know, it's it's just again, it's designed to supply some uh, some basic voltages, some control panel. Uh, switches right. and then um, you know an output to a monitor, which of course will be an oscilloscope. Speaking of asteroids, I had quite a, I've got quite a few asteroids board sets, and uh, I was able to acquire a a, a friend of mine was uh, gutting one of the machines to do whatever with it. So I said, well, let me get the, the, the all the wiring harness and power. So I just took a small a small of a piece of wood plywood as I could. That could, I could fit everything on that. The powers, you know, the, ah. you know, the so I have a astro, a dedicated asteroids test, test station. Awesome. That. And, you know, I've got a Geo 5 monitor, working monitor that I can, you know, take out of the attic and bring down for, for that purpose. Go. So uh, I can just blast through repairs of asteroids boards. Awesome. <laughs> well, I have a few, let's see, I have gotten rid of three games. I sold two pinball machines at the Texas Pinball Festival. Wow! And sold a, I've sold a few more. I'm, I'm purging. I'm, I'm, I'm getting down to twenty machines. That's the goal. <laughs> How's married life treating you there, Eric? <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I, I got rid of a uh, Battle Zone. I got rid of a Galaga. Uh, a couple of pinball machines, and I picked up a new pinball machine, a brand new pinball machine. Yeah. I picked up Aerosmith, oh. which I'm guessing you probably yeah. haven't had a chance to play. I have play. not seen it, no. It came out just so. about the time of TPF, but it was a long line to, to get to it at TPF. Yeah, there were, there were, again, there were quite a few pinball machines I didn't get to play at TPF just because of the lines, like Houdini, but, you know... Just looked a little like it was chained down. So, ha 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 ha. Oh, Chris, uh. you do go on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's about all that's new in my arcade machine world. Awesome. Uh, so that's that's all the new news, right? I think that's about <laughs> it. Well, instead of going straight into the questions, what we're going to try to do monthly is come up with a have a tech topic that we're going to discuss it's not really a question that anyone has asked but just uh, an informative uh discussion about some uh oh it could be anything this this time around it's going to be about switch mode power supplies and uh switch it- mode power supplies man all right <laughs> yay no <laughs> it's actually a very <laughs> fascinating topic so I'm going to start talking about it. I'm sure Chris will pop in from time to time uh, with comments about it. But what I want to do is talk about uh, switch mode, what it is, how it compares to a linear power supply, and ultimately which one should you use for your game. So you know, back uh, back in the '80s uh, or you know in the '70s, everything was a linear supply. Uh, into the '80s still linear and then i don't know i would say maybe closer to 1990 everything started changing over to a uh to the the common little rectangular box switch mode power supply that you see and they've remained well there's a couple of different versions of it one of them one of the versions looks like a computer power supply very almost like a box like a square box Mm -hmm. 
uh, a little bit, you know, it's a, it's a larger version. And then there's a kind of a skinny rectangular version, uh, which uh, they, what do they call that? The uh, the Peter Chu. I yeah, believe. that, or, or is it Chow or Chow? Chow, Chow. <laughs> Whichever. Oh, I don't know. Yes. Uh, and of course, the linear power supply could have, you know, there's all different form factors of that. So the first thing is, What's a, uh, uh, you know, what is a linear power supply? What is a switch, switch mode power supply? And, you know, really when you get down to it, they're a bit similar. It, just the order in which it performs all the tasks is uh, a little bit different. So let's talk about the linear power supply first. Uh, both, both systems you're going to have, both types are going to have 120 volts in the U.S., 120 volts, 60 hertz frequency coming in you know in other countries you you can have 240 volt 50 hertz but anyway you've got your ac voltage coming in the first thing that's going to happen in a linear power supply and i'm not counting fuses or line filters or interlock switches or on off switches just the basic power supply itself the first thing that's going to happen in a linear power supply is you're going to go through a transformer to step it from the 120 volts, or depending on what country you're in, down to a lower usable uh, voltage. Um, And for arcade machines, many times you will have multiple output voltages on it. They call this different taps on on the transformer, on the secondary side of the transformer. So you you know you may have but it's but it's still going to be AC voltage. A transformer can only take AC in and put AC out. The input the output does not have to be lower in voltage. It can be higher in voltage, but it still has to be AC. Uh, just like an isolation transformer can be the same voltage in as it is out. Mm-hmm. So we're stepping down and. Uh, just for the sake of, of discussion, we'll, we'll just say we have one output, uh, one, you know, one voltage output. So you're going to take, so from there, you're going to, uh, uh, go into a bridge rectifier. And the purpose of that is to take that AC signal and turn. It's not really quite going to be a pure DC signal yet. You're just taking the negative voltages and flipping them around to a positive voltage in reference to this, arbitrary ground point that you've made so now you have this uh this this wavy line this this uh kind of a you know top half of a circle if you looked at it on an oscilloscope that is all positive voltage and you're going to then go through some filtering capacitors to kind of smooth it out a little bit and then you're going to have some form of uh voltage regulation after that uh, there's, there's different types of that, some dedicated chips that do it. Some of them will be like have a reference voltage and they're used, but it, any way you look at it, it's going to be some type of voltage regulation. And then lastly, you're going to have, generally you're going to have another, uh, capacitor or set of capacitors to filter the, right. the output of it. Might want to also mention that form of regulation is sort of a variable resistor. So it's actually putting resistance in between yes. the higher voltage and the load. And, and Chris, what you're saying is important because ultimately they're, they, you're using heat. You're, you're dissipating, dissipating the heat. Because what you will generally see, and that's, that's a good point, because what you will see, let's say you needed 5 volts. 
which is a really common voltage. Well, your input to your, your output of the transformer input to the voltage regulator, well, it's not going to be five volts. It's going to be at least a few volts higher, mm-hmm. you know, probably, you know, a common thing to do, real common thing to do is go from 12 volts AC, put that into a regulator and well, you have to dis, you have to absorb the difference in voltage yes. of that. You have to dissipate that. And just like you said, you're going to do it through kind of, you know, essentially a resistor. It's not literally a resistor, but you're going to be two, dissipating yeah. that voltage difference uh, through a the component, and it's going to be transferred as, is as going heat. To be the trans- so you will see on these so with linear a regulators, linear power supply, a really large you're going to have your low and, frequency and, and now 60 hertz or 50 hertz voltages, input, they're all going to need and that same, same type of output. That. There's, there's, you know, it's always going to be the same frequency in as out. Mm-hmm. But with the switch mode power supply, it's using a much higher frequency. So with transformers, what you're what you're doing here is you're taking this AC input, you're essentially converting that voltage, that power, that electricity into magnetic power. Uh, there's a fancy, what do they call it? Flux. Magnetic flux. And you're transferring that, you're turning all that <laughs> into magnetic. <laughs> Uh, power magnetic flux and then on the secondary side of the transformer you're you're picking that you know you're using that energy to output power now that gives you the ability to change the voltage you can go up you can go down just as we as i said before now the deal is if you use if you are using a lower frequency like 60 hertz 50 hertz you're going to have when you need to pass a high amount of current from one to the other, you're going to have a lot of of windings on each side. A lot of windings, a bigger a big transformer. However, if you decide you want to go up in frequency, uh, you can use m- much fewer turns on mm-hmm. each side, on the primary side and on the secondary side. If you use far fewer turns, you have far less. Weight, right? Far less weight, far less resistance. Far less resistance, much more efficient. Much more efficient, as long as you're powering it with a much higher frequency. Right. <laughs> so if we go from 60 hertz to say, and you know, uh, switch mode power supplies vary, but I think you know, pretty common to be around 30 kilohertz, 30,000 hertz mm-hmm. uh, or so, but a very much, much higher frequency. Now... You can't get that from the wall. Your wall outlet just won't give you that, will it? <laughs> so you have to, they have to be creative about how they how they get that frequency. Um, so on a switch mode power supply, you've got the 120 volts, 60 hertz coming in, and the first thing that happens on that is it gets rectified to a DC voltage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with a full wave rectifier, sometimes half wave, but you've got to get it to a DC voltage. And that's a high DC voltage. High DC voltage yes. because that's really that's line level DC voltage. Yeah, that's and really and some. And that, <laughs> you know that's 170. And you know we're talking about we don't want to get into the whole RMS versus uh, right. <laughs> okay, right. so we won't get into that. But it is going to be a DC voltage, and you're going to have some type of little integrated circuit in there, and its purpose is to uh, control a a Sometimes it's a self-contained. It has like a little MOSFET transistor in it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll have like a little external MOSFET transistor, but it is taking that DC voltage and it's turning it off and on. 
in a very ugly square wave. Now, why would it do it on and off as opposed to trying to recreate that nice sine wave that comes <laughs> out of the wall? <laughs> well, yeah, that would be nice if it could make a nice, pretty <laughs> sine wave. But that's not easy, is it? It's not easy, and it's definitely not efficient. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, that's true. And yeah. it generates a lot of heat. Right. So all that, that so all that's going on is we're turning that high DC voltage on and off, on and off, on and off. We're doing it. Hence, switch mode power switch supply. Switch mode power supply. Look at that. We learned something today. <laughs> so now we have a uh, high frequency, uh, high DC voltage, and that is going to go into our transformer, which is a much, much, much smaller, lighter transformer and then out of that transformer then it just becomes the same thing as the linear power supply you can still have multiple taps on the transformer if you need multiple voltages it's you're just going to knock it you're going to have a second bridge rectifier half wave full wave either Mm -hmm. and you're going to have your smoothing capacitors your filter capacitors Mm -hmm. and you're going to have your voltage regulation uh so which is actually built into the switch oh yes so i guess i need to talk about feed uh feedback yes on that so there's going to be and there's a couple of ways they they do this but if you just if you um just made this ac voltage into the transformer it would be oh it, it could vary you could it could go up and down a little bit it could but let's say you wanted to control that voltage well guess what you can do you can change the uh, you can do a couple of things. You can change the frequency, but you can also change what they call the duty cycle mm-hmm. of the wave, which the duty cycle of a wave <laughs> sounds, uh, dirty. sounds dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's changing the ratio of how long it, the, uh, is, is the wave is, uh, the square wave is up versus uh, how, how much it's positive, how much it's just not doing anything it's not how long the switch is on how long the switch is off that's a much better way and the ratio between the two right uh so percentage as you change those two factors the frequency and the duty cycle you can change the output of your transformer and they will use uh either a sometimes they will use just a a tap on the transformer on the secondary side as a feedback piece of feedback and sometimes they, you know, you'll see opto isolators on them. You know what? That's uh, I don't know that I want to get too much into. Gets that. Gets a little side. deeper because, and that's and that's that's actually a good point because sometimes there are, sometimes there aren't. Depends on how simple or complicated an SPS right. is. Um, but yeah, it's just it's basically it's the the output voltage of that section is controlling the duty cycle of the input section so that it's a nice closed constant loop constant feedback right and constant feedback and it keeps that output voltage locked in right okay so now once we have uh, re- and uh, and then as far as the regulation goes now you still have to you know you, once again you may have uh, multiple output voltages and and if you regulate if you if you're regulating one voltage out you know your the other ones are going to be kind of uncontrolled you know so there's some nuances there of of you know what's going on but you have a little bit better control but that's a great point especially one of those peter chu chow oh, yes. power supplies where Her, you've yes. got you've got the single 5 volt regulator and the other voltages follow loosely right. around that um but that's fine because those other voltages aren't required to be locked in solid as much as the as five, the five volt, volts, right? right? So, 
Okay, so now we have a good understanding of how a switch mode power supply works, right? And how a linear power supply works. And the industry has kind of changed to this switch mode power supply because it's lighter for the and more efficient. Well, we didn't really talk about that either, did we? It's a much more efficient. Very efficient. You're not dissipating as much energy through uh, through heat. heat. So Correct. it's uh, you know a switch mode a linear power supply is what about sixty percent efficient. Fifty to sixty percent efficiency, depending on its design. I'm sure there are some that are probably even less. Probably <laughs> the higher the higher the voltages inputting into the regulator the less efficient the output is because you're dissipating all of that voltage difference in heat. So once again, the industry kind of changed over. I mean, when I say the industry, I'm talking about all of electronics in general, not the (laughs) arcade industry. Changed over to switch mode power supply. Like if you think about your transform your walls like if you had a cordless telephone 20 years ago it was a you know you plugged your little device the part you plugged into the wall was a, a oh the wall works wall yes, warp, right it was an and it's a big heavy transformers i mean it's so heavy sometimes they would just come out of the <laughs> wall uh, <laughs> and that was when things were still uh using linear power supplies and it you know those little wall warts you know a half an amp you know they get 12 volt mm-hmm. half an amp and it's you know weighs a pound and now you look at your phone charger, and you know you can get a couple of amps out of uh, uh, a one of those, and they're they weigh nothing. Yeah, and it's it's all comes down to the transformer. That's that's what that's why they changed to lighten to make it the, a smaller transformer and a lighter transformer. Yeah. So a switch mode power supply, when it comes down to it is not necessarily better than a linear power supply, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you look at the output, how clean it is, how they're, they do the same thing. They, they're giving you the same output. They do, the, they do mostly the same thing. Um, the journey I, is different. I, yes, the, yes. I think, but, I do, but I do think, so for instance, I was working on a power supply unit for a friend of mine recently, and he was noting that with some of the equipment uh, he had, he noticed that it wasn't, um, it didn't quite have the, the punch, um, of one of his other power supplies. And what that is, what that's about is, is that the power supply was under designed so that when it first comes up and there's no load on it, it's going to charge its output capacitor. And then you drain the output capacitor really quickly. And there's a recovery time for that regulator to kick in and start producing more current or more power. And, uh, with a linear power supply, it doesn't care. It just keeps chugging. Right. And so there are subtle differences and application differences between the two. Um, but there isn't anything that a switch mode power supply can't be made to do depending on what you're designing it to do. So now, Arcade machines. On arcade know, machines. used to have the linear power supplies. Now we kind of changed over. So which one is better? There's no solid, correct answer for this, is there? It's it's uh, better. Know. Better is the is a, I, that's the same question that was posed on some television show recently of why is America the best? <laughs> <laughs> and that's such a subjective question. The best at what? Uh, so yeah. A little open-ended there. And so if we want to talk about the actual differences, weight and size, you know, if you want to factor that into it, arcade games are pretty heavy. What, what if you could take 
30 pounds off of your game. That may be that may be a little okay, a pinball machine. <laughs> pinball well, machine. you're not going to up Still you're not going to change that one to a a switch mode power Why supply. Why not? You, well, you could. You Absolutely could. you could. Uh, but as far as like Actually, I think that would be a remarkably efficient. That would be a good project, choice. right? And Stern is now using switch mode power supplies on their pinball machines. And this Get is Get out. <laughs> After they just upgraded to 4-bit sound, what? <laughs> And th- and it is it is a relatively <laughs> new thing. I think uh, I think it's a remarkably interesting. You you can actually go on to Google and search for switch mode power supply options for manufacturers, and you can find that you can you can put in any output voltage and any current uh, demand current demand, and they'll come up with a host of different solutions and even make you custom ones with multiple outputs and everything for very little money. Um, you know, compared to you think about what one of those big transformers costs now with all that so copper, much copper and the winding it, right? and everything, what the value of copper is today versus a couple of components, you can get a very hefty power supply for around $25. Wow. That might be an interesting project. Maybe I'll convert one of my old pinball machines over to a switch mode power supply. Hey, there you go. <laughs> but as far as video games go, like if you have uh, what uh, I took the... I picked up a Spy Hunter last year, and I did do a conversion over to the switch mode power supply. Mm. Man, that Trent, the whole assembly, the board that the you know I took that whole assembly out, and I don't know, it probably was thirty pounds, <laughs> and you're replacing it with one pound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are definite weight advantage, weight and size advantages, and and you know you look inside that Spy Hunter cabinet now, and it looks cleaner. It looks you know like you know you have all this extra room. Yeah. Um, but once again, it does not necessarily mean that it's a better system. Uh, it's just, you know, once again, just getting you the same result through different means. Um, and I can actually, I do want to bring up one little point, um, with Williams games back in the, uh, eighties, like, uh, Defender, Joust, Robotron, uh, all those games, um, if you uh, Ken Graham, who used to work for Williams, has a seminar he did on uh, repair and of of those systems, and he highly recommends that you stay with the linear power supply on that. And it has to do with uh, how when you shut the game off and the voltages start disappearing, the game it was those linear power supplies were engineered in a way that it gave the RAM a a, t- a chance to write what it needed to in there and, and cleanly shut down, hmm. I guess you can say. <laughs> and if you put a a new switch mode power supply in it, when you shut it off, you may get garbled data in there. That doesn't mean it's going to tank your game, but you may have to clear all the data. You may lose your high scores oh, yes. or, you know, all that, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. so now that we've gone through all this, you know, what should you do? Um, a new switch mode power supply, you're talking about brand new components. Your lifespan of it is, is you'll have 20 plus years of, of uh, likely to have trouble free operation. The old linear power supplies, those components are old now. You know, it's you're not even the components, it's the connectors, the connectors, and everything. The electrolytic capacitors, yeah. have they dried out? The bridge, rect- you know, the bridge rectifiers they made back then were not. That great, <laughs> they, and they they take they take a beating, and they don't last forever. That's for sure. Hmm. So you know, it's um, you're you're not 
doing a disservice to your game by keeping the linear power supply in there. If you want to keep it original and and kind of uh, do some maintenance, do, replace the electro, electrolytic capacitors and and such on the you know kind of give give it a good going through. Uh, you know that's great. I I that I think that is a, a, a great solution. It's not a right or wrong solution, mm-hmm. but and sometimes it's easier if you you know how many. Games have you? I've you know I uh, just worked on a game for somebody recently. You look in there and it's you know it's been converted. It's been <laughs> you know you just look at a rat's nest of wires. Sometimes it's easiest to just. A lot of times I'll do that. I'll start from scratch. I'll just rip everything out. You start you know put your fuse you know taking you know, put a new board in there. Put a fuse holder. Your line filter. Your you know put everything in there and start fresh with a good switch mode, brand new switch mode power supply mm-hmm. and it just makes everything easy i think for me the i think the the decision rests in what kind of game are you talking about uh, i think there's a lot of video games out there that lend themselves very well to swapping over to a switch mode power supplies and then there's games that just oh my god don't even bother you're not going to be successful it's not going to happen a good example my the tempest any of the arc the some of the arc uh the the vector games where they require specialty you know plus mm-hmm. or minus 22 volts and some just some odd voltages that you're not going to find in a standard off the shelf right. switch mode power supply just rebuild your power supply <laughs> right so let's get into our viewer submitted questions what they're viewing us they are viewing us i threw our microwave ovens <laughs> <laughs> The first question is from Steven. Well, this is a long one, isn't it? I have an old Bally uh, Space Invaders cocktail machine that I literally found in an abandoned building. Oh, that's a nice find, isn't it? (laughs) Naturally, I have to fix it up. That is correct. You do. You're obligated. (laughs) When I plug it in, the tube comes on, but there's no picture. Sometimes I get weird garbled game sounds, but it just sounds like it's struggling just to get going. It does not sound like the game is actually running. It sounds like it's crashing or like you are trying to watch satellite TV during a bad storm. And you want to try to imitate that? <laughs> no? <laughs> no? Okay. N- no, no, not no. <laughs> and it, the sounds do not change when you push buttons. He has his multimeter, and he's checking power. He's checking his power supply. He gives the number off the power supply, and he followed instructions from and gives the website uh, to compare to what you know what he is getting versus what he should be getting. And he has, uh, you know, you have your five volt line. Everything has the five volt line, but yeah, he also has the negative five. Positive twelve and positive eighteen reset signal, which is just kind of a power okay indication. But he is not getting his negative five volt line. Now, the five volt line, as we've said before, is your uh, primary. That's what you know. Everything runs off of. But you have auxiliary. Well, you know what, Chris? I'm going to let you uh, let you pick up here. What you, you know. But before we do that, before we do that, we have a uh, a visitor here, and uh, Keith's here with us. Now, He's here? Keith is here, but Keith doesn't really 
talk much, does he? Keith who? He he is really kind of to the point. He's he's very knowledgeable. He's, is this Keith Christensen? <laughs> it is. You mean the guy that runs the Houston Area Arcade Expo? That's one and the same. So, oh, okay. Hey, Keith. Where, so, oh, wait. Where's he at? He He's over there in the corner. Now, he has golden <laughs> nuggets of information, but he he really is, you know, he doesn't, he's not in-depth. So, you, he's like E.F. Hutton. When Keith speaks, <laughs> you listen. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> So, All right, I'm listening. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sorry. <laughs> I needed that. Thank uh, I, you. I, I guess we we really should ask him what to do now. Well, so, what 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 do you well, think, Keith? What 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 should we do? Check your voltages. But Keith, but he did check his voltages, and he's missing his negative five volt line. What could it mean, man? What could it mean? <laughs> <laughs> Great advice from Keith, absolutely, and he did exactly the right thing, Stephen. Um, so here's the here's the clue: is that uh, Space Invaders? Uh, wanted to make sure I was talking about the right game. Space Invaders. It's an older game, and the older games have RAM in them that require a mess of different voltages. Uh, you know, plus five volts, plus twelve volts, and and usually a negative voltage. So there's usually three that that three voltages that are supplied to RAM chips. Uh, the 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 Williams games are the same way with the 4116 right. chips. They they need that multi-voltage uh, RAM supply. So if you're missing the negative 5-volt line, RAM is not going to function for you. And if RAM isn't functioning for you, Nothing's you won't working. run your game. And that's just that. Now, that's so. not to say that you don't have other problems, but you cannot continue troubleshooting until you get that corrected. But that will Correct. absolutely keep that game from running, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So... Um, to that end, in order to address your issue, um, looked up the schematic for that power supply and it's, it's remarkably, it should be remarkably simple to figure out what's going on. It looks like it's using a standard old three terminal 7905 negative five volt regulator. Um, those things are just designed to supply up to an amp and a half of negative voltage uh, chances are the board is going to be using significantly less than that. Right. So if it's even got a heat sink on it, I'd be surprised. Um, but yeah, look for that. Look for so that. And that's going to be like, like a, a That's going to be a three terminal device. It's what they call a. That's a TO twenty package, which basically, oh, what can we compare that to? How it can just looks we like a power that? transistor. Right. Right. So it's going to be kind of a flat package. Uh, all it's going to have a metal tab on the top right. with a hole in it. Um, so look for that. It'll have the numbers 7905 or a combination of 79M05 or something like that. Um, look for uh, the terminals should have one of them is going to be ground. One of them is going to be the voltage in and one of them is going to be the voltage out. So if you can uh, poke around with your multimeter and read some negative voltage on that and then see that there's not a, an appropriate negative voltage on the other uh, terminal, then I would replace that. Or, if that's actually working on the power supply, then you need to check continuity from that end device all the way into the board. So, you're, uh, you said he should, he should uh, do what, Keith? Continuity check. Thank you, thank you for that wisdom. <laughs> thank you. you, you Keith are, is wise. He, he is he's, wise he's, beyond his he's, years. He's wise. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess it's time for the next one, All right? right. We got our next question here. It's from Dustin. I've got a 1980 Space Invaders Deluxe game that was given to me by a relative. The game worked just fine until the other day. The power went out in our area, and when the power came back on, the game no longer worked. There's power running through it. The game sounds come on, but the picture is is out with bleak streak spots. That's a tongue twister. That's, that is. With <laughs> bleak streak spots that you can see. It's been a while since I've tried again, but my uncle had a guy come out that works on pinball machines, and he couldn't figure out the problem either. The fuses are good. I cleaned the dust with canned air and checked the wire connections. Everything seems okay. There's no burn spots, I believe. I hope the monitor or game board isn't fried, but I have no idea. Any ideas would be greatly appreciated. What do you got? What so do you think about that? We have to. Okay, well, first let's talk about the game itself. Space Invaders Deluxe is a black and white monitor. They had little color. They had color gels on top of it. So it, when you walk up to it, you're like, "Oh, that's a color game," but it's not. It's a black and white screen, which mm-hmm. means it has. Just a composite. Uh, it has uh, just as far as the output from the game board to the to the monitor. It's you know no no colors. It's just a composite output. Um, so the first thing he mentions here is that it has this tongue twister of words, <laughs> bleak streak spots, and that's as fast as I can say it. You can see. <laughs> so we have to kind of guess what he means by that but the uh he says the game sounds come on so first uh, what i would say is yeah you've got the game sounds but do you feel like it's responding to what you're doing you don't have the screen but you if you coin it up and you start a game when you hit the fire button are you are you hearing the the fire sound if you do that's great that's that's sounds like the game board is at least may not be completely functional but at least the the game is running right um Honestly, I'd rather it be a monitor problem than a game board problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's let's talk about composite output that this has. Hmm. This is the mm-hmm. same thing as, um, you know, just you would see this as an RCA input on certain devices like a VCR, or I've seen some TVs like gaming TVs, CRT TVs mm-hmm. that have that. And Chris, you mentioned something about. Uh, were like new TVs, right? Well, even well, so they're not not new new TVs. So I think brand new TVs, you'd be lucky if you could find a, a composite input on a TV. But certainly a, a, a five or a ten year old flat panel LCD TV is going to have a composite input, since that still seemed to be a popular flavor back right. then. Right, and and it's the yellow RCA, yellow it's- RCA connector, right. Now, the game is not going to have a RCA cable going to the monitor. No, it's going to be unfortunately part, not. part of the harness itself. But it, it's if you get your schematic, you're going to be able to figure out which one that is. I mean, basically, all you have going to that monitor is power. Power. And signal input. And signal for video. So yep. say you take a part. Like this, this is how I would do it. I would take an RCA cable, just a single RCA cable, cut it. You've got the shield on the out, you know, you're just going to strip it back to the shield and the inner wire. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to, if you, if you put, if, you know, find out which is your ground and your video output, because it's just one wire. Yeah. Yep. And you can hook that up to your TV. And then you could play Space Invaders Deluxe on, on a huge TV. TV. Invite the neighbors. <laughs> that would be good. 
Now that's going to let you know if the problem is with the monitor or the game board. I really suspect the monitor in this case. I agree. Uh, but you you have to dig in there and see, uh, make you know make sure that the game board itself is working before you go any further. And once you if you find out it's the monitor, you're gonna you just go through your general troubleshooting steps. You know how's your how's your power going? To, you know is is there a fuse on the monitor? Uh, you know, you're going to be looking at rebuilding the monitor. Now, yeah. if it were a newer game, uh, when I say newer, some you know, a color screen, a a standard resolution. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of if you're not comfortable working on the PC board, just get another used monitor to put in. It's going to be a little bit tougher mm-hmm. with a black and white screen. Pretty um, tough. They're so hard to come by. I think. You, you know, maybe if you don't feel comfortable repairing the monitor. Take it out. Send the send the chassis off. You know that your tube is good. You're getting something on the screen. Send the chassis off to somebody that works on them. And uh, I'd actually recommend doing that anyway. Um, you think about we always talk about doing a cap kit on the color monitors. Well, these black and white monitors are a good ten years older. Right. Um, they used uh, definitely less robust components on them uh, when they were manufactured. So. But the the upside and the upshot to this is that the black and white chassis are are actually a bit more simple. They are than the right. color monitors. So there's probably fewer caps, things like that. So if you're feeling industrious and want to try and cross reference those caps to something that you can use, go for it. But as I as I recall, the few times that I've put my hands on one of those black and white monitors, they're not really using what we would consider standard components today in other words they use some odd values before they came up with the standardized values oh like resistor and capacitor values right they'll use like you know five uh 560 microfarad capacitors as opposed to you know standard it goes 470 from 460 to, to 680 you know and, and and it jumps that way these days so okay good deal let's move on to the next one i guess i'm going to be reading this one this one is from david Greetings. I'm not sure if this is the right place to ask the question. I say it is the right place. It's the right place. place <laughs> we may to not ask have the best anything. answer, but this is the right place to ask the question. <laughs> I am in the process of building my own Gorf arcade cabinet. Awesome. The cabinet is going to be a dedicated Gorf game, but is going to utilize MAME setup for gameplay. So he oh. is going to build his own Gorf. Way to gorf it up. (laughs) And that is one odd cabinet, isn't it? It is very much. I have not had any luck locating an original gorf to restore, so that is why I'm taking this route. I do have an original rank light system board from a gorf game. Is there any way to connect this light system work with a main computer? Hmm. So what he's talking about, if you play, if you ever, if you remember the game, off to the right-hand side on the monitor bezel, there's a, um, you know, what you start off as a space cadet (laughs) and move your way up through the rank. Every time you fight the last little mothership, it moves you up in rank. So it lights up a new rank for you. Uh, Space captain and space colonel and space, I can't remember what else. And then, you know, the Kentucky colonel and then pretty soon you're (laughs) frying chicken and... All these different ranks. So, can you do this? <laughs> can you do this in Mame? Well, it's it's not a simple answer, I'm afraid. Um, I've I've been tracking Mame since it first came out and started emulating. Gosh, it. Chris, you're like old. Eight games. It was the best Christmas present ever by the Mame development team. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so there've been a number of different builds of Mame that have come out over the years, and I believe. 
at some point in time far in the past, I'm talking, it's got to be at least 15 years ago, um, somebody decided that they were going to uh, modify the source code to change parallel port outputs to match certain lights. So specifically for, say, GORF, where they would have a parallel port uh, pin bit one would be Space Cadet, and pin two would be Space Captains, pin three. And you could easily control a parallel port. Well, the funny part is that a lot of PCs nowadays don't, don't even have, have a parallel, parallel port. ports. And if they do, it's not like writing to a parallel port. It's not It's really going anymore. through a serial, con- uh, a, you know, some other type of controller to get the output. Yes, because they're no longer on, what's the ISA bus? The ISA bus doesn't exist anymore. You're going through uh, either PCI or PCIX, which I'm sure is even more complicated. So those ports are actually being emulated nowadays, which may or may not be supported uh, on the system running MAME. So the, the the simple answer is, with a stock version of MAME, no. However, uh, a quick search on Google to look up certain uh, flavors of MAME or add-ins for MAME uh, showed me something called MAME Hooker. Ooh, wonder what it charges. Easy. wonder what it charges. Easy. <laughs> it doesn't charge anything. It's Easy. free. <laughs> um, but it's it's just a little, it's supposed to be a little add-on that enables something in MAME. I'm not entirely certain if you have to recompile MAME with that additional code um, to track those additional outputs or not. But it looks like you're in for a bit of, if, if you're going to attempt this, you really are going to have to have some good, uh, I'm not going to say programming knowledge, but good computer skills and electronic hardware skills. You're going to have to, so it's going to be, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah, so even if you were to get that to go out the parallel port, now you're still going to have to go and create a driver board that will drive a lamp based on that bit status. So, right. Um, so if you do accomplish this you may have some buyers for i'm sure you're not yeah, the first person yeah. that's wanted to do this right yes yes indeed all right well let's move on to the next question this one's from ryan my pole position monitor just went totally green with envy well that's a good thing isn't it for the environment <laughs> <laughs> i had it plugged in for about a month straight wow mm. <laughs> Then woke up this morning to a full green screen. Any ideas what I need to do to fix it? I'm a novice owner, and this is my first vintage arcade. Well, congratulations, Ryan, on your first vintage arcade. And pole position is a great game. It's a great game if you want to get your hands dirty. (laughs) (laughs) And there was no sarcasm there. I really do like pole position. Oh, well, you're kind of a master at it. Come on. So everything went green. So the first, what is not mentioned here is, do we still have the sounds? You know, we keep we always talk about playing blind. That's going to be the important first thing to talk about. Can you do you put a coin it? Do you coin it up? Do you hear sounds? Is uh, do you hear the? You want me to? You want me to like sing the music that it plays? Go ahead, and then I'll do the voice. <laughs> Prepare to qualify. Prepare to qualify. Or no, I don't think it's that clear. I think. It's, <laughs> Which I think she's really asking you if you want fries with that. <laughs> so is it playing blind? Uh, or you know, are you getting do the? Can you uh, start the game? That's going to be really important. You know what? If it's pole position, 
You're really, <laughs> really hoping that it's playing blind because I promise you that that game is a lot easier to repair if you have monitor problems than if you have game board problems, mm-hmm. which is going to bring me to something. Uh, I'm going to go uh, uh, off on a bit of a tangent here. Oh, we need we don't we ha- don't we have a, a Keith announcement for Eric's on a tangent somewhere? Oh man, we announcement. Gotta, oh. What a, it's it's almost like you're saying he's a soundboard. He's in the corner over there. This well, is just not important. This is not important uh, enough for him to talk. It's like I'm I'm Tommy right now. I'm just blind. I can't see what's going on in the room. <laughs> so if we. <laughs> Should I, should I wait a moment? Let that sit in. <laughs> set in. If Go we have it. a just a completely green screen, but it sounds like the game is is playing, that's probably pretty good because pole position is just a standard uh, uh, resolution monitor, and you could you know put another uh, uh, even the cocktails were nineteen inch monitors, so mm. it's uh, you know easy to you can either repair or replace the monitor. However. There was a cocktail pole position. <laughs> Did I say cocktail cockpit? <laughs> Those that would be. <laughs> it actually, you actually drove it around the arcade. It had a. <laughs> you played head-to-head pole position. Okay. <laughs> if the monitor is bad, that's you know that's that's kind of what you want on that game. But if the game is not playing, if you don't hear any sounds, that game board or the game boards, they're they're. They're a bear. They are hard to uh, hard to repair. They're just plagued with problems. They have um, several things that go on with them. The edge connector on it. Uh, they, mm. they, they they consume so much current that it would kind of burn up the. Uh, they would get crispy <laughs> and make poor <laughs> connections. People would do mods on them to uh, reroute the power on it. They had these custom Namco chips, which are notorious for, like, the the legs on them get brittle Uh, and breaks. Anyway, the the boards are very difficult to work on. And and once again, there's two of them. Each each board has its own power supply, actually. Mm -hmm. So you can start with the the easy stuff, checking power supply. Uh, uh, You could check the voltages on the board, make sure you're getting good voltage there. They have some good test points labeled on the board. Um, But honestly, if I uh, had problems with the game board on it, there is some good news for that. There is a gentleman who is making an aftermarket pole position board replacement that not only replaces your pole position board, but gives you pole position two with all those two. extra tracks. Yeah, not one, but It gives two. you pole position two? It gives you pole in position In addition to what? In addition to one. <laughs> in addition to what? <laughs> <laughs> and he is, if you uh, go on the... Uh, KLOV site, Clove, Klove, however you want to say the, the site. I've I've heard every, people say everything. Um, it's Adam over at uh, One Circuit, OneCircuit.com. He's uh, at the very tail end of uh, the process of that, so I expect within a few months that that's going to be out there. And actually, my name is on the list. Oh, uh, really? It really is. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm All excited right. about. It. There's a lot of people excited about that. A lot of pole position owners that are really excited about that. So anyway, that's uh, if it's the if it's the game board, I would say wait, see about getting the replace. It's going to use the same. It can use the same um, connector uh, as the. You don't have to change any kind of wiring on it. It's plug and play. Uh, if it's the monitor, you know, the, if it's the monitor, 19 inch standard res monitor, 
swap it out, fix the monitor, either one you're, you know, you're good. So out of curiosity, when, when I read this question, it says it went to a full green screen. Does that mean that the screen is awash with green or that just the only picture element that you can see is green? Hmm. Or is it a movie editing uh, wall now? Oh, it's a chroma key. Boo, it's that a chroma was key. Terrible chroma key game. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, mm-hmm. okay. Ready? I think it's time. Did we cover for the that one. one all right. The next one's from Miguel. Miguel. I guess it's my. Is it my turn? Yeah, it's is my it, turn. Is it your turn? I think all it right. Is. Read the one from Miguel. Miguel. I have just replaced my Miss Pac-Man monitor in my cocktail table. When the monitor is swung open, the color scheme is correct. When closed, the colors are wrong, i.e. ghosts turn red when eatable. How can I correct this? Oh, so well. co- co- I guess we first we should talk about a, you know, a, a midway, Bally Midway cocktail table. How the, when he talks about the monitor being swung, swung open, it's open. really, it's almost like half of the game swings. <laughs> yes. It's an enormous chunk of real estate that opens up when you open up one of those tables, right? Yes, so you, absolutely. And when you open it up, it actually carries the monitor with it. So it's right. not just like you're pulling off a back door and it's just a piece of wood. It's, it's. Literally one third of the wood of the cabinet, and then the monitor that's attached to it as well swings open. And uh, I want to say you're basically ending up rotating the monitor from being fully face up to being almost face down, further than face down, because face down and then further down onto the floor. And there's there's like a <laughs> uh, like a chain or there's something that like keeps you know it holds it in that position but I and I've seen some of those games where that little chain was missing. <laughs> <laughs> well you just you just take the it, it rested rested on the top glass on the floor. <laughs> is where it is. I think most of the time. So so that's an an interesting um um scenario scenario because it it poses a couple of uh questions. So let's first talk about you know, when you have a monitor, certainly a color monitor, um, when you first turn it on, mm-hmm. there's something in there uh, called the degaussing coil. And when you first turn it on, it's supposed to remove any stray magnetism from any of the metal parts of the front mask of the the shadow mask of the game and any of the surrounding metal pieces of the game because oh that's a good thing we should talk about sometime hmm. in the future what how the crt works what a shadow mask a is shadow mask why degaussing yes. works what it's doing and but carry yeah. on that, that's a good in-depth yeah, topic that's good it, it, we could, and actually we could probably cover that in one of our weeklies so we'll cover it very lately here so once that fires up and removes all of the stray magnetism or, or uh, magnetized metal artifacts from the CRT tube, then that's what supposedly, quote-unquote, restores the purity or yes. making sure that the blue color gun hits only the blue phosphors, the red color gun hits only the red phosphors, etc., and so on. So I have to ask the question. You just replaced your your monitor in your cocktail table game and you powered it on just to make sure that the game was okay and that it got picture and everything was hunky dory. And then you closed the lid. Well, what you did was you changed the position of the monitor in relation to the earth's poles. 
Now that sounds like no. You're that's crazy, not, that's Chris. Crazy. There's talk. no way that that There's could make a difference. No way. Try it. I can't even feel the magnetic strength <laughs> of the. How's that if monitor? You can't see the magnetic field. How does it exist? So just like a compass, um, the Earth's magnetic field does pull ever so slightly on those electron beams inside your CRT, and will pull the colors off. So. Uh, you can try this experiment at, at home with your own game. You don't even need a cocktail table one. Just power it on in a certain position and then turn your game 45 degrees in some other direction and see that you don't get odd color effects on your screen. So that that little component inside the monitor, the PTC, what it does is it when it p- first turns on, it's energizing the degaussing coil, and then it heats up, and then it removes the current gradually from that degaussing coil. You know, a lot of people probably don't realize that all these monitors have a built-in degaussing coil. I mean, you, I mean, it's yes, in the for back color, of- yes, for color monitors. Oh, true, right, true. Not right. For- but you know, I, when I started working on these games, I don't know that I realized that it you know had one built into it. But. Well, I saw a big thing going around the the picture too, but I had no <laughs> idea what it was for. It's a handle. And when you turn on your monitor and you hear that <laughs> when you first turn it on, that's actually the degaussing coil that's fully energized. It's very strong, and then that PTC gradually bleeds down the current and removes it slowly, um, and that has degaussed your monitor tube when you first turn it on now you unplug your game and you plug it right back in does that degaussing coil come on again no well kind of but for a fraction of a second not long enough to accomplish anything and not even and because the ptc is still hot not enough current to actually degauss your monitor tube so you have to wait 15 minutes or so for that component to completely cool down turn back the game uh, turn it on again, and it should degauss the monitor again. So what do you think? Should we just put ice on the uh, uh, chassis of the monitor? Is that a good solution? Ice? 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 No. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even use a can of compressed cold air. <laughs> no, seriously. And if you ever but, note, if you're if you're working on a monitor, the, you'll – the uh, the PT what is that step positive temperature control or something coefficient, coefficient that's it um, off it's usually off to the side it's usually close to the connector where your degaussing coil mm-hmm. connects. just looks like a black and, box and they're always hot not warm hot yes, hot <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, and as Chris said they don't they're not going to allow current to pass through until they completely cool off and. Please, I was just kidding about the ice. Don't, don't. <laughs> don't put ice on there. Um, so yeah, so um, try that. If if that obviously if that doesn't work, um, it could be something uh, funky with the monitor. I know that they manufacture picture tubes for the northern hemisphere of the Earth and the southern hemisphere. They're two different tubes. From what, what I, if you from flush one of those tubes down the toilet? And oh, it, it flushes the... counterclockwise. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it, jumping back to uh, the serious world, I have noticed that with cocktail, with the cocktail uh, games, with the monitor facing straight up, they are 
in my opinion, much more susceptible to which way they are turned uh, mm-hmm. compared to uh, stand-up games. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's just uh, been the way you know, the way it's gone. But I I think they are more susceptible. No, I agree. I I, I the, the the tubes the are plane designed that they're in is right. you know, kind of uh, perpendicular or, or in line with the you know east uh, uh, north south rather. Correct, correct. And it, and there is an up down to the to the tube and all that good stuff um, in the design. But certainly, and also don't forget that inside of a cocktail cabinet, it's a much tighter environment. Right. Than in a standard upright arcade machine where uh, they may have metal Wait, components Chris, that are very close. I, I think I think Keith is getting ready to say something. What's what, that? what what would you ask that we do? Oh. Degals your monitor. Uh-huh. Insightful as always, Keith. Insightful, Insightful as always. Brilliant. Brilliant mind. Now Brilliant. you could you can go one step further <laughs> with this. They do make degaussing coils that are like an external little handheld device that uh and they have them at Fry's. Well, I know not everyone has a Fry's in their city, but, um, you know, like a 40- They're certainly available online. online you can find right. them on eBay. And it's kind of a – and that's that's a device that kind of does, it does the same thing, but you have much more control over it. You do this whole process where you kind of put it up next to it and pull away, and it's almost like an art form. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a – And it's kind of fun to watch the groovy colors as it pulls <laughs> the uh, colors into place. I've actually, in a pinch, made degaussing coils. Yeah. Um, from old monitors, actually. You just um, use the... I take, I take the loop of, of wire and I double it back on itself to make it a little bit more uh, size-friendly. Um, and then I power it with a lower voltage, um, like an AC power transformer. So I power it with 12 volts AC. Interesting. Um, and it works just fine. Yeah, because they, they, you really can't have... Even the ones you buy, the 120 volt, you, you can only leave them on for, you know, 10, 15 seconds. They, they start getting hot. <laughs> they get hot. They'll melt. They'll destroy themselves. So there's a, an actual printed duty cycle. There, it's a duty cycle again. <laughs> hey. Uh, on that note, let's move on. Is it, let's move uh, on to Ray. It's, uh, I guess it's, is it your turn? To I'll read. read. Okay. Ray, I have a 1982 Zaxxon upright that works okay. However, it has three white horizontal lines at the bottom of the screen that span the width of the screen. Also, it has dark areas. Uh, when I say dark areas, I mean there are rows or bars or lines or bands that contain no image light at all. It's like playing the game with a set of window blinds over the screen. What I'm asking is, does this sound like a cap kit fix? I've adjusted the monitor well enough. I don't think that's a problem. By the way, the game still works. I can see the level progressing, but it's chopped up as described. What do you think, Eric? Well, I think his question of is it a monitor problem is a definite hmm. no. I would agree it with is, that. D- that, is, that is absolutely a game board problem, but what on the game board? Now, I've, you know, we all know Zaxxon, what it looks like. It's this weird kind of not even side-scrolling, but like diagonal-scrolling <laughs> yes, right. uh, game. And the, it's a um, – so he's talking about, you know, sections or lines or bars – so that's, you know, that's, that's going to, um, you know, we can talk about a couple of things here. We could uh, talk about like the, uh, uh, sometimes you, if you have like a bad color prom, you can have sections where you're not going to have any, you know, anything, but it's not, it's not going to look like this. It's, it's not, it's, when it's a color prom, you're going to see a particular color have a problem across the entire right. screen, not just certain areas. When, when he talks about the geometry of it being bars or lines or bands, 
Uh, you know, I, I think we both talked about this earlier and both agreed that that sounds like a video RAM problem. Either a video RAM problem or a, or a video addressing problem. Right. Um, one way or the other. The, the interesting part is that the game still runs, so I'm not as familiar with, with Zaxxon as I probably would have liked to have been before this question to know the, uh, the system architecture, but uh, either the video game doesn't check that RAM area against what it's writing or its output section for that particular set of addresses isn't quite right. So, you know, we, we know it's not the monitor. It's, it's the game board. Now, if you're going to dive into this and, and f- attempt to fix it yourself, I've, if, the, uh, if the RAM, uh, the video RAM on that board is socketed, I would start with just moving the RAM chips around. Mm-hmm. Uh, see if the see if the problem moves to a different area. If it does, that's great. That's that's exactly what you want because then <laughs> you just replace the. Uh, I wouldn't even try to figure out which RAM chip it yep, is. Replace. It I would both. just replace them. Replace all the the uh, video RAM chips. Yep. If that doesn't resolve it, uh, you know, Chris, I think what you said is correct. Like the addressing, you know, there's a lot of logic that goes along with uh, with this as well. And now you're talking about the address. If you're you really you're digging in, you're diving in pretty deep once you get to that point. Right. Um, you know, at that if you're good with electronics and you've got you know a lot of good equipment, you can you can go into it. But even if, if not, you're good with electronics, it's it'll still, still drive it's you crazy. Still, I've been repairing <laughs> these things for a long time, and it's still you know difficult to get into some of that stuff. Yes. It, it will you know you have to go away, you know work on it. You'll go away from it for a week, come back to it, and but you know. Zaxxon is a probably a game that you can pick up a uh, a game board on eBay for a pretty decent price. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, the next one is from Mustafa. Hello, I just recently bought a Top Gunner arcade cabinet. I plugged it in and everything comes on, but it says bad RAM. Bad RAM. Bad bad, bad RAM. Bad RAM. I have no idea what to do. I'm a noob and. At all of this, so please help. Hmm. And Top Gunner, I wasn't, I didn't know that one. Did you know that? I you, no, not directly. So I pulled that uh, that game up online to get the schematic for it. Now you did mention here voltage, and any problem like this, you you always want to start at voltage. Always, always start. It voltages. Didn't Keith tell us that? You know, I, he's well, he was he was kind of nodding hey, off Keith. over there. But hey, I think Keith. I think he's. He what has, do you think? He's sitting up. Yeah. What what should what should we do? Check your voltages. Oh man, oh. He, he just he always has the right answer. Oh man, a few words, such <laughs> wisdom. But the few words he says are so important. <laughs> Check your voltages first. I I that game primarily uses just I think it uh is just mainly the 5 volts, but make sure you've got a mm-hmm. you know your 5 volts is good. But the luckily there are uh, when I looked at the schematic I only saw four RAM chips on it. So if it's telling you it has a bad bad RAM in it, that's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's kind of telling you what's wrong with it, but the positions if you look on the board the um the RAM positions were at 10H. It's you know like it's like battleship. You know you've got the rows and column. So 10H, 11H. You sank my RAML ship. <laughs> 12F and 16F. So, um, you know just uh, just if they're if they're socketed, just pop them out. Get you go ahead and order. They're 
going to be inexpensive chips. I think they, oh, what were they, 62, 60? I don't remember what model uh, RAM they were. But they were blah, 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 <laughs> RAM. I'd have to pull the schematic back up again. <laughs> but just, just you know, that's only that's only four ICs. Just, you know, order them, replace them. Though Once again, 10H, 11H, 12F, 16F. Replace them and... You sank my ramble ship. <laughs> Great. The next one's from Joe. Hey, I just purchased a Dig Dug. When I was playing the game yesterday, the early stages were great. On stage nine and above, three-quarter of the screen would be black. Today I turned it on and nothing happened. It blew a 20-amp fuse. I put a new one in and it blew a game. <laughs> it blew again. The game doesn't turn on. Please give me your professional, professional? opinion. Professional? He's talking to the wrong people. Maybe he was talking to Keith. (laughs) (laughs) I'd really appreciate it. What do do you think? 20 amp fuse. (laughs) Well, (laughs) obviously we're... uh, we're we're dealing with two different things here, and Chris, yes. you went the extra mile on this. I did a little bit. I I took a break, which is to say, I I played a game before we even started <laughs> this conversation, and played it up to level nine. And sure enough, um, right at level nine, and there's uh, I think like at level four or something. Probably yeah, every the, four levels, I guess. The it- background um, dirt colors change and so there was a change in background color scheme on level nine and so that leads me to think that there might be something in the color ram section for a particular color right um um, on that selection that aside let's talk about a 20 amp fuse blowing (laughs) because i think i think the colors are the least of the problems here (laughs) Yeah, I don't recall there being a 20-amp fuse in Dig Dug. I definitely double-checked on this one, and there's no such animal in a Dig Dug. I think the biggest fuse in there is... <laughs> it wasn't 20 amps. It was all single-digit stuff. I think it was like 7-amp maybe, tops. So tops. for just about any arcade game, if there's a fuse on the primary side of the transformer on like right at the, you know, as your as your power cord comes in, if there's mm-hmm. a main fuse for the game, you know, one amp, two amp. Two amps. I've seen three amp, never above that. I can't imagine being, ever being larger than never three amp. Never above that. And your secondary side, your DC voltages, even then, oh, what's the large? I'm trying to think of what the largest I've seen. But, you know, um, uh, five amp? Maybe, maybe. five amps. Yeah. yeah. So really. you de- definitely are not supposed to have a 20 amp fuse. Now, what's what's wrong? I would... I would start, well, it's kind of important to know which fuse it is. Is it the main, is it the primary fuse of the game, or is it one of the, you know, uh, DC voltage fuses? If it's the primary fuse, you could have anything causing that. You could have right. a wiring problem. You could have, you know, if somebody's kind of twisted some wires, you know, because you, you're lighting, you're, you know, you've got so many things that are running off of that. Um, if it's... On the secondary side, you know, you can start with things like unplugging your game board, uh, unplug your monitor, you know, to mm-hmm. unplug, you know, different things and and see what's what uh, section is is causing the fuse mm-hmm. to blow. That's going to be helpful, but you're going to have to kind of dissect it and separate and you know deter- to determine what's what's blowing the fuse. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I There's- think uh, so. One of the um, things I learned early on with fuses is. Um, it, it can be telling how the fuse blows. So a 20-amp fuse, is that's going to be quite the animal to blow. So um, 
is it blowing and is it making the glass Flash. black? Right. Is it is it vaporizing that metal? You see a big flash of light when it blows, <laughs> right? Um, it, or when it blows, is it just kind of popping and that's it? Um, I've seen larger fuses end up blowing because there are shorted uh, diodes in the bridge rectifier section. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, um, yeah, this this it needs standard troubleshooting with a no meter and to find out where right. your short is. Right. Agreed. All right. Is it my so, turn or your turn? I, I, go for it. I have a cocktail Donkey Kong Jr., and after the monitor is on for about 10 minutes, about a one-inch edge of the screen gets skewed and stays that way. Uh, so it leaves the, leaves the game on. It's playing. It starts off nice, but as it plays, or I guess more to the point, as it starts kind of warming up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, we start having a monitor problem on, mm. on one side of You know, I... A I Donkey see, I, Kong having a monitor problem. Say it's not so. But I, I see, I see Keith, Keith over there. Keith is waving. He's, what he says? He hey, has what? He, he, what, what Keith? He should, he should do what on it? He should. He should do what? Cap kit. You know, Keith. Once again, right. Words of wisdom. Oh. I, How is he always right? <laughs> it's like somebody's telling him what to say. Almost. <laughs> But Keith is correct. Keith it is, is time correct. for a cap kit. Um, the all the Nintendos use the same monitor, the little Sanyo Sanyo Twenty Easy. Um, there, which is ironic, isn't it? It's, yeah, not easy. <laughs> to nothing get out easy of there. about it. <laughs> it's it's not horrible. It's it's I don't really. It's a little bit a lot of connections on it. You know, it's a little bit tougher to a lot to of get connections. Out. A couple of connections that you can reverse on the audio board. Yeah. And right, and they the the audio amplification is done through part of the monitor, kind of like yes. a little separate board of the monitor. But and they don't use 120 volts. No, they use 100 volts. It's uh, uh, those it, tricky Japanese. <laughs> well, there's some other. Uh, I had a Sega Turbo is the same way, and it was not a Sanyo monitor. It really? Was, yeah, it used it was a, 100, 100, 100 volts. Hmm. So you know, there's really. Nothing else to say about this one other than, you know, you need to, to do a cap kit, right? Absolutely. Because Keith said so. Because Keith said so. <laughs> Our next question is from Corey. Hi, I just bought a 1991 Crude Buster arcade game. I had to look that up. Crude Buster. It's for real. <laughs> it worked fine until I accidentally touched a piece of metal around the monitor circuit board area and it sparked. Now the monitor is pink. I can still see other colors and play the game, but it's not as clear, and the, all of the background is pink. Any idea if I can fix this? Well, I know. It's just trying to raise breast cancer awareness. Exactly. It's That's doing all. its social duty there, right? Okay. So we're, we can, he can still see the, uh, see the game playing, but it's just like the, the uh, overwhelming, you know, just a really bright, and let's just, let's, you know, get kind of to the point here we're seeing red uh kind of saturate the monitor he's he's calling it pink but you know we're it's the the red gun that's causing that so what i would do with this is um uh you know just to make sure there's it's very unlikely that it's any kind of problem with the game board that sounds you know all like it's completely a monitor problem as a matter of fact he said he touched a touched a piece of metal to something um, 
I have a feeling that he has a problem on his neck board. I ha- I, I'm thinking he may have. You've got on your neck board, that's kind of where all your color processing, Your uh, when I say processing, I mean the levels, the uh, how strong each color is, um, is on the uh, neck board of the monitors. And you do have some adjustments there. So, you know, do the easy part first. Try the red bias and red cutoff uh, adjustment uh, potentiometer on the uh, neck board and see if that can get you back to where you're supposed to be. If it does not, I really suspect that you may have um, uh, done some damage to one of the uh, drive transistors on the mm-hmm. neck board. What do, you, what do you think about I agree. About I'd, and actually, I'd, I'd go so far as to say before adjusting anything on that monitor, go ahead and disconnect the game board. See if the monitor is still coming up saturated pink. If it is, then you can eliminate the game board entirely from this equation and right. know that it's 100% on the monitor. Excellent. Uh, let's see. I guess it is. No. Who's, who's, who read the last one? How short is my memory? <laughs> like it matters. I can read this one, too, because it's another good monitor question for you there, uh, Eric. So it, this one's from Real... Hmm. Real <laughs> Halens? <laughs> hmm. Okay. Hello. I need to adjust the horizontal size of my screen. Could it be dangerous if I adjusted this coil? And there's a picture of a horizontal width coil uh, in a an unnamed monitor before us. So I already rotated it, but after I did, a strange line appeared when I pressed some buttons on the control panel. What is the reason for this? I'm worried. It's the original screen of a Mortal Kombat 2 cabinet. Thank you. What do you think? Uh, well, as you said, he, hmm. we can see a picture of, the, you know, a zoomed-in uh, picture of this monitor where he has highlighted a width coil, or specifically a horizontal width coil. And he went in there and did some adjustment, and he's uh, seeing some some bars appear uh, when he presses some buttons. So first thing, I'm a little I'm curious to know if well several things. First is when he presses buttons. I mean, if you put physical pressure on the control panel, is that when you're seeing the difference of it, or if you can repeat it by like if I hit kick and low block, you know, whatever Mortal Kombat buttons are. If I lightly push these two buttons, every time I push them, I get this weird thing across the screen. Hmm. Um, so to me, that would be kind of a little, those two situations are a little bit different. If you, if you're kind of push on the board or hit the, uh, the control panel, if you kind of hit it or push on it and it, it causes that to come up, you know, I'm immediately suspicious of a, like a bad solder joint on the monitor board or some, hmm. you know, and he, now this all happened after he adjusted the horizontal width coil. So there, you know, may, maybe you want to. I keep saying tonight, start with the easy stuff. So maybe you know, replace that horizontal width coil. I uh, can't tell you what what to get because I, I don't know which monitor you have here from the picture. Yeah, it's a little difficult to identify. But maybe we should also touch a little bit on horizontal width coils in general. Right. And um, and I don't want to say how dangerous it is to adjust them. But certainly the older the monitor is, the more fragile fragile they become. And up to and including even the most um, uh, careful adjustments can do damage 
to those coils, uh, which just means that you have to replace it if you want if you want your monitor to uh, to perform as as designed. And I think in one of our previous episodes, we went in depth about the coil, how to adjust it, what tool not to, yes. what tool to use, what tool, what tool, to use, not, what tool to use. not to use. Um, so, oh, I wish, what was that? That was probably three episodes ago. Um, I think we even covered it in, yes, in the not the last one, the one before that and the one before that. Right. So, so uh, you, you know, first thing, it's it's important for you to know when you're when you're pressing the buttons. Are you talking about it's a physical thing like pressing that's causing the problem, or is it an electrical thing that's when these two are pressed? So that's hmm. to me, mm-hmm. I think, a kind of an important deciding factor of which way which way to start troubleshooting. I'm ho- I think it's going to be easier if it's a physical thing. If you push it, you've just got a you know you've got a bad connection somewhere. That let's hope it's that. If it's like I push these three buttons together every time I do it, it does this. Ooh, that's that's kind of like a game. Now we're talking about a game board problem. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to Andrew. I'm looking for a ramp for a play field for a hurricane pinball machine made by Williams. The part number is blah 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 blah. Actually, I guess I could read it because what if someone listening that's has true. that? Ramp. That's too, how insensitive of you to skim <laughs> over that. A-14709. Have you seen one? Well, the short answer is no. Now, well, we've let's... seen one lots of times, just yeah, not on in a your machine. play field. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about, like, if you have a, and I've, I'm a big pinball fan. I have a lot of pinball machines, and I've had many, many over the years, and I've had situations like this where you've got a, uh, you know, like a cracked ramp and you need to uh, need to replace it. Well, there's, you know, for the more popular machines, they have remade whole ramp kits for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Hurricane, they have not. Uh, we I went on eBay to look and they had some ramps on there, but I think he's probably, I think Andrew's probably talking about like the lower ramp. The Hurricane does this odd thing where the ball kind of drops down really low by the flippers on a ramp and then loops back up. Um, I saw it. It looked like a, a kind of a short ramp from what I looked up. Uh, so but if you're looking for a, it hasn't been reproduced. It has not been reproduced. So this is the key word I'm going to tell you for something like this. Patience. You have to just stay on eBay. You know, this could take a year to to find one the plural years yeah. and, but years. what will happen is somebody will part out people part out pinball machines and put the parts on eBay all the time mm-hmm. and you can put up uh notifications you can create notifications That's on a great eBay idea. for that um there are there's there you know different um pinball uh Company, like companies like Marco or Bay Area Amusements and that have sometimes they'll have some new old stock but it's you're not going to get this from from yeah. them unfortunately and I'm not terribly familiar with the Hurricane Pinball is it just not a very popular title or is it just not very many machines out there I you or... know it's uh there were three that they put out that were kind of that theme park that was well, Comet uh uh, hurricane and what's the third? The third one just slipped my mind. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, so it okay. was the, the, the last version of of those. Uh, oh, okay. And I d- yeah, you don't see those as much as uh, 
is the it's first the comet, is comet, and the, and the other one whose name I can't. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Cyclone. Cyclone. I was going. It was so. I remember there was one that had Ron and Nancy Reagan on it, wasn't there? Oh yeah, riding the uh, was that riding the, yeah, the back, that was Comet, I believe. Yeah, yeah on the back glass. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I remember from it. <laughs> but be be patient, be patient with it. It will uh, you'll you'll find one eventually. But uh, and I've even seen people like uh, there was some game that kind of an obscure game, and the guy went through the trouble of uh, making his own ramps for it. He mm. took what he had and made kind of a mold, corrected what needed to be corrected on it. And used his oven to, to make and a shrink, ramp. Shrinky dink film. Right, shrinky dink ramps. <laughs> and it looked great, but man, he had some hours in that. <laughs> so just be patient, wait. It'll come up on eBay eventually. <laughs> All right. Your turn. Is it? Okay. Shane asks I have just replaced a JAMA board and the screen is not aligned correctly. It appears to be cut in half with the display content starting in the middle instead of the left side of the screen. The horizontal position makes only a slight adjustment. Any ideas? This is a pretty common one, right? Or- it is. I've seen it before. Um, usually it just means that you've got your your sync polarity reversed, and it's it's starting to sync on the wrong edge of the sync pulse, so you'll see it halfway into the picture. Right. And as far as monitors go, you've got uh, some monitors that have your first one, two, three, four, five pins. And then you'll have for your your, uh, video input. Red, green, blue, ground, horizontal sync, vertical sync. Uh, I guess that's six pins, isn't it? Six pins and then a space and Mm -hmm. then three more pins, which is an additional ground. And then your horizontal and vertical sync. And and the... Since you have horizontal and vertical sync repeating on both sides, one is positive mm-hmm. sync and one is negative sync. Right. So you have to make sure you you know get on the uh, right spot. And there are some monitors that just literally have a little switch on the uh, oh, chassis yeah. that, that lets you uh, let you flip it. And I've seen people even go through the trouble because uh, uh, of, of making inverters that can correct that if your monitor does not support. Uh, you know, uh, if it only supports positive sync and your mm-hmm. game board has negative sync, but that's a, a little bit deeper uh, into, you know, into that. Um, he did, uh, you know what, one thing I do want to talk about, uh, JAMA, a lot of JAMA boards have combined, like they'll tie the uh, horizontal and vertical sync together. Uh, composite sync. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but it's still going to be Still going to have thing. a polarity. Right. Mm-hmm. So you still would have to move it over to the uh, to the correct one. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. This next one is from Mark. Hello, I've purchased a Weah slash MacVision 21-inch arcade monitor recently, and I have a vertical wavy line about two inches from the left side of the screen. I've tried grounding the metal housing, which seems to work a little... But it's still there. Any ideas? So almost like we're getting interference from something that's that's causing the problem. He grounded it, and it worked a little bit better. So we know we have some outside influence mm. from something mm-hmm. magnetic uh, that's that's causing the problem. You had a you had a good thought on this about what it could be an experience you had recently on a working on a game. Yeah, just wondering if there's like a fan running nearby that's cooling the cabinet, something like that. Try disconnecting that. Some type of motor. 
Um, but also thinking on this, it, it could easily be um, that if this is a if this is a new monitor installation into an arcade game, is it actually referencing the ground of the video signal or sync signal properly? So you you can also have a ground loop form that'll produce these kinds of wavy lines as well. So you're you're suggesting making sure that the ground from the game board has a direct path to the ground signal, in, signal input yes. on the uh, uh, on that. So, okay, so that's that's a good thought as well. Mm. And these, and just as you said earlier, those fans. Well, you know, you might think, well, you know, these things. This thing had a fan in it to begin <laughs> with. What's the problem here? Yes. And fan, they can they can uh, start you know producing magnetic interference. They could kind of go bad, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. and start producing magnetic interference. Sure. And you can, you know, unplug the fan. That's you know, just unplug the fan. That's a good that. test. Also, unplug the signal input from the monitor and see if the wave goes away. Ah, yes. So isolate the monitor. Is the monitor the problem? Is it? Is it? Is it picking up some interference on the the uh, cable going to, on the wires going to the game board? Mm-hmm. It could be inductively picking up some uh, something along through there as well. So. Uh, you're on the right path with the, the grounding there, but you know, see, let's, let's, uh, that's a good, good thought there there with the fans, um, and unplugging, as you said, unplug the monitor, see if that makes it go away. Yeah. All oh, right. It's a long one. This one is from Jared. I have a turbo that seems to have a regulator board issue. There's a, there was a loud hum in the audio and I tapped the regulator board and it went away tapped again and it returned checked all the traces and they tested good i decided to replace the caps one at a time starting with the cap at c1 we have a schematic here we'll talk about what c1 is here in a moment uh when i replaced it voila the hum was gone after about 30 seconds of running the game the hum slowly returned and then boom the cap exploded since the old cap wasn't offering any resistance i assume this cap uh resisted until it failed Uh, we'll have to talk about the wording of that sentence here in a moment my question is what now i thought it might be a voltage regulator but all three of the ones on this board are in line after the cap that blew Uh, i checked the diode in front of the cap and it appears to be fine i'm attaching a schematic from john's arcade so you may be able to get a better picture of the flow thanks in advance so let's kind of analyze this talk about the uh from from beginning to to all right well this is this is modeling this is definitely your analog power supply as you discussed at the beginning of this podcast the uh flow goes from transformer ac in transformer ac out transformer into a bridge rectifier or diodes that rectify ac current into a pulsing dc current uh from there it's connecting up to this cap or capacitor that's meant to store the temporary pulses of dc current so that when they pulse away or when they turn off on their current, the capacitor is there to continue supplying smooth DC current. Um, so that's the component that seems to be blowing. Um, so w- when this person's talking about resistance, I think there was an old test that you could use a standard ohmmeter where you put it across an electrolytic cap and you'll see that that uh, the resistance is low, and as the capacitor charges, the resistance gets higher and higher and higher. It's, it's not really reading resistance per se. It's just it's, it's looking at it the way that the voltmeter is, is measuring resistances with a voltage 
And so as the voltage goes up, um, the meter is going to read slightly different. Um, there is there is a resistive component to a capacitor. We'll talk about but but ESR I guess just to keep this like to keep this simple, keep it simple. There, should he be? I mean, should he be using resistance to test a capacitor? You can. It's a good indicator to check for an open capacitor. It's a good indicator to check for a shorted capacitor. It is not a good indicator to check for the res- the capacitor's value. Right. It's not a good test to check for the condition of the capacitor in any way. You need an actual uh, capacitance meter to do right. that. Or an, e- an ES- ESR, yes. An, uh, uh, LCR, LCR meter. meter. Or yes. a dedicated capacitance meter with a ESR component to it. Right. So, so that's not that, that his test with the meter was probably not telling him anything important. It wouldn't, well, it, 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 certainly, it certainly showed that it wasn't shorted out and it wasn't open. Open, right. So, so um, to that end, um, let's just go right to what makes a capacitor blow up like that. Catastrophic failure of an electrolytic capacitor is, is, is not a minor deal. <laughs> it's pretty unusual uh, unless you meet a couple of um, circumstances. Um, the first primary circumstance is if you replace the capacitor and you had the polarity reversed. Um, that would cause a capacitor to catastrophically blow. Uh, 30 seconds in, though, that seems a little long. Right. Uh, usually if it's reversed, it'll blow immediately. Um, so the only other thing I can think of that would make a capacitor blow like that, well, there's two things that come to mind. Um, one, that the voltage rating of the capacitor was not sufficient. You can't. You always have to use the rated voltage or above. Um, in order for a capacitor to meet its requirements. And it never hurts to use higher voltage rated capacitors um, as long as the same microfarad value is present. And, you know, just on a side note, the capacitors that were made in 1980 (laughs) are a lot larger. Let me, I'll word that in a reverse way. The capacitors made now are a lot larger smaller physically smaller physically smaller yes. than this equivalent value and voltage rating Absolutely. from back then. I mean yeah. to an order of like three times difference in size yes. in some cases. Yes. Now have they gotten more reliable? Yeah, yeah there's a whole uh situation from about what was it ten years ago? Ten years the, ago. Of uh production problems with capacitors. Uh, there's uh you, that's why you see so many flat screens uh, go bad from that era. Yeah, there's actually a class action lawsuit that is going on right. Like I got one of those. Cards. Did you get one of yeah. the? Yeah. yeah. So sorry. Let's uh, so back. But uh, yes. back to the. Uh, so so it's entirely possible that the capacitor that you used to um, to swap out on your board was actually one of those class of capacitors, as well as even if it wasn't, there's always a chance that a capacitor coming out of a manufacturing house can be bad. So just go ahead and and. Replace the capacitor again. Um, if it blows again, then the only thing I'm thinking of is possibly the um, the voltage rectifier there is either breaking down in the middle of operation and um, looking like a short circuit or a partial short circuit in certain phases of the AC wave. And he mentions checking the diode, and what he's 
talking about is there's a full wave bridge rectifier before yes. the capacitor. Um, and you know, those, those bridge rectifiers of that era, you know, the, the two components, you know, when you're talking about old electronics, um, the two components that seem to have the most problems seem to be electrolytic capacitors and bridge rectifiers. Mm. I've on pinball machines. I have replaced so many bad bridge yeah. rectifiers from that era. Um, so, you know, take it out and you can, you really need to take that bridge rectifier out of circuit. You need to un, unsolder, desolder it, take it out and then check each, you know, leg to make sure you're getting your, um, you want, you know, hopefully you, you're testing it with a meter that has a diode check function on it. Uh, you should get, uh, you know, you're going to take your leads, put it between two of the legs you're going to get. Uh, typically about six tenths of a volt one direction, and then just an open circuit the other mm -hmm. the other way. But this once again, this needs to be done out of circuit to get a proper reading on yes. it. Yes, and if you've already taken it out of circuit, replace it. Just replace it. <laughs> yes, there's a couple of ways. So even with the meter, you can still show that it's good, but it might actually have weakened. Yes, and as the voltage is applied, it breaks down and becomes shorted. And looks shorted Good in the point. circuit, and uh, and and that can put stress on on uh, the capacitor as well as as well as the bridge rectifier. So there you go. Yeah, many things to try there, but it should be it should be a, a fairly straight straight off fix. It's pretty good. All right, let's see here. We've got a question from Julie. Oh, did I skip that page? I sure did. Who's reading this one? Ooh. I guess I can. Uh, you have to forgive me. I'm dealing with a cold, y'all. All right. So from Julie, hey, guys, I'm a bit of uh, at the end of my knowledge. Here is my Tron Restore. Beautiful cabinet. Um, restored the cabinet, and it was turned into an Arkanoid. Oh, what a tragedy. Mm. Um, got boards from eBay working, as usual. I'm not sure if there's a... A cynical tone in that or not. Uh, changed the original power supply to a heavy-duty switching power supply and got the MCR adapter from a vendor. Now the boards were tried in a WACO, which is also an MCR Bally class arcade cabinet. And after a cleanup and change of corroded chips and all things were visibly working and it was working great. Um, but once I got it in my cabinet... It shows an error in the audio board, and there's also video artifacts on the screen. Now, the only difference with the Wacko, uh, it was tested on, and my cabinet is the new MCR adapter and the switching power supply, as well as the harness. My friend is already replacing the corroded chip on the super soundboards to get these out of the way, but if you have any idea what could be wrong, please help. I have been waiting more than 30 years to have a real Tron, and I want to play as I'm supposed to. What do you think? All right, just to summarize, she gets the board set, the Tron MCR, which is a three-board stack board set, puts it into the Wacko. Everything everything is, is good. Uh, puts it in her cabinet uh, with the switch mode power supply, the, uh, the MCR power adapter, and it is giving her problems, giving her video problems, um, sound problems. It's playing, but it, it has graphics problems. I, um, 
first thing, anytime anybody talk, says they have a problem with an MCR game, you know, and there are so many of them, you know, Spy Hunter, uh, uh, Satan's Hollow, uh, Tapper, uh, you know, on and on and on, just goes on and on and on. They had this plastic flexible ribbon cable mm-hmm. that connected all the boards and the first thing i tell anyone that has one of these games that's <laughs> experiencing problems is get rid of that that uh ribbon cable and get a get a new one and there's i don't know i think there's five different people that make replacement ribbon cables mm. for those games and i have seen that fix so many of these games so if you have i'm you know hopefully uh julie you've already gone through the, you've gotten into the machine and you've checked your voltages just as you always do at first, right? Check the voltages and all, all that looks good. I'm going to immediately be suspicious of those ribbon cables. Yeah. If that, if you get the ribbon cables, you know, they're like $20 on eBay. I, I just recently ordered like several sets of them just to have as spares and for, you know, board sets that I work on. If you put the replacement ribbon, ribbon cables on and you still see the same thing, can can you go back to the Wacko machine? Is it somebody that's close by? I would I would go back there and see if just the transportation, you know, of the game board, you know, something something you know, one of the chips is not seated properly, and or something along that those lines. Uh, and as far as the audio tests, uh, channel one and channel two are corrupted white noise over. They do though those. Board the audio amplifier board, which is kind of a separate board that's on the side of the cabinet. I've I have a Tron as well that um, I restored about five years ago, and there's a little secondary board, and I believe it uses some voltages that maybe the main game board does not. It probably uses a you know the, the 12 volts instead of the five. So once again, you know check your voltages on the uh, the amp. Uh, board uh, in the side of the cabinet, but you know, change that, change that. Uh, the horn, there's uh, the ribbon cables. I think it's a set of five or six of them. Uh, and if that does not resolve it, put it back in the um, in the Wacko uh, uh, cabinet. Now those board, I've I've repaired quite a few of those boards, and it's a you know, like I said earlier, it's a three board stack, and you can. If you have somebody that has a good working Tron board, you, at least you can narrow it down to which board is the problem and then <laughs> kind of go from there. In mo- in most of the ICs that go bad on those boards are socketed. So that's that's beneficial as well. Any do you have any thoughts on it? Oh well, you know, I I was gonna say I was gonna say that I think that it's wait, wait, what, Keith? Wait, what? Check your voltages. Oh yeah, he always well, knows he exactly always knows what to say. So I know we talked about some of the voltages here, but I noticed that you just put in a brand new switch mode power supply. Did you actually adjust the five volt adjustment on that power supply to make sure that you're getting solid logic voltage? And and we've we've talked about this before. When you adjust that five volt uh, potentiometer on the power supply. I don't test. I don't read the voltage at the power supply. I read it on the game board. I pick on the board one of the ICs. I mean, it can really be just about any of them. And if you look at the board, if you've, you know, you can look at the architecture of it. You can kind of see the rails. You know what's going to. You know, you can. Uh, but you can just pick one of the ICs and and uh, check the voltage there. You want to see. Everybody is going to have their own opinion of of this. I kind of like seeing. 
5.05 to 5.1 volts hmm. at, at the board. Um, and what do, what do you what do you aim for? I I aim for as close to five volts as possible. I'm not really a big fan of overrunning voltages um, on a board. I know if if a if a board works when you crank it up to 5.1 volts and it doesn't work when it's at 5 volts there's you have that's, other problems you have other problems that you know that that board is operating on borrowed time <laughs> um or it's just a bad it, it could be just a bad design as well where where um you know the original design had had maybe there was too much fan out on an output and we'll talk about that in in a future well, show that's an interesting it's an interesting well. term so, oh my God, you know what? We're at our email section. We've got actually emails. I think we've gone up to three listeners. <laughs> we've, we've, we've got three listeners now. Hey, all three of you. What's that email address? <laughs> Podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. It's too late. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm sick. It's the NyQuil talking. I don't know. Help. First, uh, the first email is from Chris. I'm, hey, I'm new to the arcade scene. I've been watching your videos, and they are definitely helping me along the way. Thank you so much, guys. And that's directed at Tim and Jonathan. They do the video content for the, for the channel. I was hoping you could help me with a question I have. I recently got a good deal on an old arcade cabinet. I love that game. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I've uh, noticed that a lot of the pins on the neck of the tube that connect to the neck board are missing. Ooh. Is there a fix for that uh, that can be done, uh, or am I stuck replacing the monitor? There are only three pins left of the nine that it started off with. Ooh. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. I'm just not going to make it. The monitor is a 25-inch <laughs> model. If I was stuck having to replace the monitor, what kind should I be looking for? Is it possible to do a swap with an old TV, and what should I be looking for in that situation? Okay. All right. So we have Mystery Arcade Machine. We don't know what arcade game it is, so we don't know what resolution this monitor is. Well, let's just talk about monitors in let's general. Let's do that. And missing pins. <laughs> so in general, if, if and, and I think, you know, if you've toyed around with these enough, you've always, you've ended up running across one of these at some point in time where invariably one of the pins will end up breaking off the tube. And invariably i know i used to try as a kid resoldering them on and it doesn't work and there's a couple reasons why um the pins on the 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 monitor tubes they're not really receptive to solder at all um and certainly trying to solder something that small to something that requires that much physical um support it's just not going to work so your next deck your next step is to tack weld it. Well, that involves a significant amount of heat that will expand that pin and end up cracking the glass. So you're kind of screwed in this position. Short answer is See, no, uh, not so not, much. Not gonna. <laughs> yeah, not so good. So yeah, you can you can replace the tube uh, generally, but with a I've seen 25-inch monitors come in several bell, bell curve angles, and the yoke is going to really be dependent on what the angle degree of the bell is. Yeah, like you were talking, like a 90-degree, 100-degree, right, that, that kind right. of thing. So exactly. When you, when you speak of, of swapping the tube, 
what you you know you take the raw tube, but you have to take the the copper winding off of the neck of the tube, which is called the whole assembly is called the, the yoke. yoke. And then you put it on the new one, and then you go through a very involved process of of calibrating the monitor, setting the color purity. It's like putting the, toothpicks under your nails. Yes. It's a <laughs> very difficult process. It's doable. I've done it. It's doable it's, in it's, a pinch. It's, uh, and it's an... It's a art form. It's it's uh, you really. I think the more you do it, the better you get. But it takes you know. If you like cussing and and require drinking <laughs> at some point in the day, try doing a, a picture tube swap. It's terrible. <laughs> so it it's it's absolutely doable, but not suggested. It's not worth it. There's probably a lot of 25 inch monitors out there for the taking. At least in this area, there are. Right, and it, around here, you can pick up a used, working 25-inch arcade monitor, $50. Yeah. Now, it is important that you know what resolution your monitor is, so just search your game. You'll Truth. If you go to arcade, arcade-museum.com, which is the same website as KLOV, you can pull up the info on your game. If it says standard resolution, that's the same. That's equivalent to CGA resolution. That's what you need to look for. Uh, there are other resolutions. There's standard res, but chances are it's going to – most of them are going to be uh, standard resolution, which is CGA, mm-hmm. which is the cheaper one to find. But you have to make sure that part matches up. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, cool. Um, let's see. I think that takes care of that question. Let's move on to Joe. Hey, guys, just ran across your podcast online, exclamation point. I'm wondering if there are any ideas you might have that'll help me. I'm looking for a black plastic bezel that goes around the monitor for an older 2003 Golden T4 machine, but I'm not having any luck. IT, who makes the uh, the Golden T machines, hasn't made them for years. Any ideas? Golden T... Probably, I know they had different size, you know, different size machines, different size monitors. Now, the good thing is, as you said uh, before, we were recording a CRT is a CRT is a CRT as far as the curved front on it. Or you were generally, generally generally, speaking, (laughs) so perhaps instead of searching for a golden T monitor bezel. Uh, like the actual black bezel that you know kind of covers the uh, fills up the void the space in between the uh, you know this uh, curved front monitor the CRT and the perfectly square uh, cutout the flat for it cutout yes um, don't be con- you know don't worry about getting it for that game you just look whatever size monitor you have mm-hmm. um, they're pretty easy to find they some of them are like a formed plastic black plastic. Uh, some of them are like a cardboard with mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of a four, four pieces that all come together and they're cut out appropriately yeah. for the screen. So, you know, just find one for the, um, for the size CRT that you have and don't focus on it being for that particular game. You may have to, you know, modify, modify it a little bit, but chances are probably not. Yeah. I think it should do quite well checking it out online. All right. Next one is from Carrie Holzman. I was replacing the joystick in my Galaga Upright, converted to a JAMA 60-in-1, and had to disassemble the joystick to fit it through the hole in the control panel. However, when I reassembled it, it no longer auto-centers. I bought another one, took it apart, put it back together, and it no longer auto-centers. And, you know, as I was reading this, we talked about this briefly before, but one thing about Galaga 
is the control panel is only up and well it's left and right kind of like defenders up and down Mm -hmm. only so hopefully carrie has made it a proper hole in it and not just left the um you know left it where it only goes left and right i I, you know i have a galaga control panel at the house i'm trying to remember if they made the cutout a hole and just the joystick itself only but i think it's i think it's a slot i'm pretty sure it's just a it's a slot yeah but if he's using a 16 one so hopefully you have if he wants a four-way joystick Cut out the uh, cut out so it's a the correct size hole for the joystick because mm. that could mm-hmm. be a problem because if you have cut it out have you cut it out for the correct you know the large enough hole even if you have made it circular is it large enough? Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about how these how various types of uh, joysticks center? Sure. Um, yeah. So in in my mind and there's 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 numerous ways that they've that they've built joysticks where it's a simple, you know, joystick that's centered with a rubber centering grommet, which is actually what I found out later doing some research um, before they came out with aftermarket centering. It it was, it was actually designed to hold um, uh, control panels in place in aircraft. Oh, like an anti-vibration mechanism. Anti-vibration. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Trivia for the day. Yes. So they're, they're, they, they, are expecting the uh, the bolt to go through the center hole, and if you you know torque it either way, it wants to recenter it by rubber force. Then there's um, there's joysticks that are built with uh, sort of gimbal mechanisms. They've got you know hard uh, uh, X bearings and Y bearings, and it's all kind of centered with springs. And then there's um, this kind of joystick here that I'm looking at the the diagram that was sent in, where it looks like there's a a, a main mounting frame, uh, a big spring, and then sort of this collet. Um, I don't know what else to call it. That looks like it's under the influence of this spring, pressing against a flat plate. And so as you deflect the stick, the collet will ride on one of its edges, and the spring will want to push it down flat, so it'll recenter the stick. Um, without actually seeing how you've reassembled your stick, yeah. <laughs> it's a little difficult to answer the question. But I would I would go ahead and and, and venture to say it, you've already got two of them that are that have been disassembled and are not working right. Um, go ahead and and see if maybe as Eric said. The, is the control panel, um, uh, is the hole big enough to actually support this? So go ahead and take it off the control panel, see if you can reassemble it per the, the, inst- the, the assembly diagram, and see if it restores the centering piece. And, and one other thing worth mentioning is that, you know, there's two different types of control panels. You have control panels that have a just, you know, that are metal, that just have a thin, thin layer of metal. And then you also mm-hmm. have, you know... Um, wood controlled panels mm-hmm. although there's still even with the wood some of those are have a, a thin layer uh well that's and it's, uh, really more so for the buttons that you worry you know you have different right. depth for the right. buttons but, but you do have to worry about the joystick length the right. shaft length uh right. for those thicker panels right uh so yeah chris that's ec- excellent uh idea take it complete uh take the variable of the control panel out of the equation take it take it loose from it see if you can reassemble it and if it centers you know in the uh, 
away from the control panel. But mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I still wonder if the if it's been cut out for. Uh, and you know, we talked on a previous episode how to if you have a, con- a metal control panel and you want to make a hole in it, and you, you don't, you, know, you can't really use a hole saw because you don't have a place for the pilot mm-hmm. bit. But the uh, what were they called? Knockout uh, knockout punches. Knockout punches. You need one of those to make the. Uh, you know, uh, uh, otherwise it's going to be a kind of a tough task yes. to do that. <laughs> All right. I think we are down to our this, last This is the one. final question. What do yes. you know? Hey. All right. I guess I'll read this one. Chris All Miller right. asks, what is your opinion about the Atari AR Sense mod? Oh, oh, I think he would have been better off asking us a religion question or something. Oh, it's a little easier to goodness. answer. Yeah, there's... Uh, the people are going to get so upset, no there's matter how we answer it. It's, so much fervor, we're just going to be wrong no matter what we say. <laughs> so now is when you need to shut off your radio. Yes. Don't, listen. Don't listen. Whatever you do, do not listen to what we say. It will only anger you. Attention, this program may contain bits of controversial material not suitable for all listeners. <laughs> A- Atari AR Sense Mod. Do you do it on your games? Is uh, is my understanding correct? Pros of making the AR Sense Mod. AR... Oh, this is mine. These are my oh, comments. Oh, that's your comment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess first, let's talk... First of all, what is uh, uh, AR board? It's Atari... Uh, uh, audio audio regulator. regulator board, meaning yeah. that it has the amplification for the uh, speakers on the board, mm-hmm. as well as the regulation uh, for the different voltages right. on the board. And they have the AR board or AR1 board, AR2, and I guess the system, the, uh, they've got AR1, 2, and 3s, right? I believe so, yes. Um, and they these were common boards in all of their games for many years. Mm-hmm. There were different, slightly different versions of the like an AR2 board, depending on what game it went in, what voltages you needed. What voltages certainly right. was what but played into it. We're not focusing yeah. on that right now. I think AR3 was actually a stereo audio board. Oh, okay. If I'm not mistaken. I could be completely wrong about that. Send your cards and letters to. <laughs> <laughs> so the we're talking about the sense mod. So what ha- what they did originally, the original engineering of this was there you have your voltages going out to the to the board and your five volt line would have a you, they would have like a uh, like a pickup, I guess you could say. They would have a spot where it would tap in to the five volt line on the board itself, and those wi- that wire would come, or that voltage rather, would come back to the AR board, and it would the AR board would could go up or down. The output could go up or down depending on what it was getting from that sense wire coming back. And the thought of this was, um, you know, if the resistance is getting a little high, if my voltage is dropping down to say. 4.9, 4.8 on the board. Let's just boost it up. It doesn't really matter what it is at the AR board. Let's keep boosting it up until it's the correct voltage on the game board, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the the uh, original engineering was, you know, it's a pretty, pretty good idea, you know, in a, in a perfect world where, you know, everything's good with those connections, right? I think it's I think it's a case of the 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 road what is it the 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 road of good intentions or something? It's paved with it's something. Paved with, it's paved with hell. <laughs> it's paved with hell. It's <laughs> you, you ask yourself. There's the AR 
uh, sense mod, you have to ask yourself, is it the AR good sense or bad sense mod? <laughs> so, yes, that's exactly it. Um, when you consider the, the voltage path coming out of the power supply, coming out of the connector of the power supply, going over the wire of the harness, back into the connector on the board, and it's gone through all of these transitions and this length of wire, and there's definitely a voltage drop across that the AR sense is trying to compensate for that voltage drop and keep everything locked in tight as far as the game board is concerned. However, <laughs> and this is where things go bad. Yeah. So in a perfect world, that's how it how it performs, right? Yes. yes. That is until, definitely until it. time passes. Until time passes, well, or just you obey Ohm's law. Yes. And 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 materials law. So as that voltage, any kind of voltage drop represents a resistance. And as we learned earlier in our show... Resistance equals... Resistance equals heat. Okay? And the higher the heat goes, when it comes to metals, when you heat up a metal, like, like say, a light bulb. Let's say the filament of a light bulb. And its cold state is about 6 ohms. But when you heat up that light bulb, that 100-watt light bulb, it's going to increase to probably 100 ohms. Um, so the more resistance on the wire and the connectors and the copper of the board, the hotter it's going to get, the more resistance is going to go up, the more the voltage is going to that drop. That sounds like a vicious cycle, and, doesn't it? And then it's going to pump that voltage up, and it's going to get hotter, and the voltage is going to drop even more, and it's going to attack that, and it's going to pump the voltage up until... it's Yeah, you're, that thing's pumping out 5.6 volts. Or... And then what's it doing to the connectors and the copper it's on hotter, the board? Hotter, cooking it, brittle... Brittle. It's, it's burning the board. Literally, it's going to burn the board. It's going to burn the connectors. Um, so bad things the, happen. So, what is the sense mod? So, the sense mod essentially bypasses that that detection uh, vicious circle and tells the power supply sense input that its output is exactly what it is at the power supply. So, you're just basically taking the five volt output looping it right there on the AR board to the input of it. So exactly. there's really no resistance there. So there's no error correction that the sense mod is, or that the sense circuit is going to perform. So now we get to the question of Well and before before we go oh, on to that, we're going one thing more. one thing that's kind of noteworthy is just because it has this feedback circuit does not mean that you can't adjust it. There is still a, an adjustment pot on it. So once you, once you do the mod, that doesn't mean you're locked into whatever it's putting out. You can still go up and down with that 5-volt. Correct. Uh, and even voltage. with a sense even with, even with, even the with sense, sense there, or actually yeah. even with the sense circuit functional, you still have to adjust that 5-volt adjustment. Right. So the, the question is, do we recommend doing the sense mod or not? And what's good about it, and what's bad about it. So I'll give my personal opinion, and Eric can definitely give his personal opinion. It's, it's in my opinion, if it's not an Atari game, it didn't have a sense circuit, and, and I think there's a few other. I think there's Bally. Doesn't, don't MCR games have sense? Uh, does it? I don't Can't remember. remember. Anyway, so 
many, 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 many arcade games operate without a sense circuit. So by disabling the sense circuit, I'm not sure what the point is of some of the purists out there saying, oh, you can't disable it. It's going to make things perform badly. It's not going to make things perform any more badly than it does on any other video right. game, in my opinion. I, 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 we're, we're gonna, I think we're going to have the same opinion. Oh, my this. God. We're going to agree? <laughs> what? That never happens. So <laughs> if, what, if, the, if it's left the way it was set up originally with the sense wire, uh, the, what can happen – what the bad thing that can happen is the voltage can just ramp. I mean, it it can it can do some damage. You can you can ramp that volt just as we described earlier. It can you know start really ramping up, and if you have a bad connection, then all of a sudden you've got a good connection. It's up real high. There's a lot, yeah. you know, quite a few things that can go wrong. Now let's talk about what can go wrong if you have the if you do the sense mod. Pretty much nothing. <laughs> you could have too low of a voltage. Do you know what you're going to damage if you have too low of a voltage? Nothing. nothing. Not, <laughs> it's not very not much gonna, of It's not going to hurt a thing. Now, so I'm, I'm, so I'll, I think it's a, it's a good idea yeah. to do. I have no, there's nothing negative that I can think about it. Right. That I can that, that I can say about it. Um, is it necessary that you do it? I, I've got some Atari games. I haven't gone through the trouble of doing it. They've been fine for years, but I probably will. I'll probably, you know, one of these days go in there and do it, you know, because, yeah. like I said, there's uh, there's nothing negative. Only positive things can happen if you, right. if you do it. Right. And now a caveat. So just because we say that the AR uh, uh, sense circuit can definitely cause things like connectors and, and board edge connectors and PC boards uh, on those edge connectors to literally cook doesn't mean that it won't happen. That still happens oh, on right. games that don't have the sense circuit, but that's usually caused by poor connector uh, mating surfaces or weak fingers inside the edge slot connectors. All kinds of things can go wrong on these games, but I figure why, why exacerbate the issue of destruction with the sense circuit? And, you know, I think Keith would have weighed in on this, but it looks like he's actually fallen asleep over there in the oh, corner. So. Fallen asleep or passed out. Maybe next There's time. There's a subtle difference. Because I, I, he's very well-versed in, in the – he just – he I, you know, I don't want to disturb him now. Oh, so yeah, we'll, no. I, we'll let, let him be. As long as he doesn't start snoring, it's okay. <laughs> I think that wraps everything up for the day. It does. Or for the week. Or for the month. For the month. <laughs> so awesome. I suppose until next time. Until next time. Please keep your games running, fix everything, and when we fix the game... We play the game. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcast. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.